Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I was with my friend Chris, um, Crub, as you know him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> shout out, Krabby boy. Um, and we were seeing The Lighthouse. Uh, I believe he was at the AMC Boston. All and right. This is going to describe a scene that's a little bit later on in The Lighthouse, but I wouldn't say it spoils anything for The Lighthouse. Uh, just viewer beware. And we were at the scene where Robert Pattinson is looking directly into the light at the top of The Lighthouse. And he's screaming and his voice is getting all distorted and he's losing his mind and he's covered in blood and he's going crazy and the audio is getting more and more distorted and the exposure is getting hotter and hotter. And all of a sudden, I see this flashing white light and it's like filling the entire room and it's not coming from the movie. It's coming from the theater itself. It was just okay. this strobing white light. And I was like, what the fuck? Is this some sort of cinema 3D type effect? Like, did we sign up for you know, one of those 4D experiences and not know it. <laughs> um, and then it just keeps continuing. Like the movie's getting crazier and crazier and everything's getting more and more distorted and this light's flashing. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then the picture just cuts to black and we're just plunged into darkness. Oh, shit. And we're just sitting there like, what the hell's happening? And then a voice comes over like the PA system, like, alert, alert, please evacuate. Please evacuate. There has been, I forget exactly what it said, but there's been like a... Was it like a like fire a, alarm? It, it, no, because they weren't saying fire. They are saying like security threat or security something. Oh, I th- I mean, I, I want to say that it said like bomb threat or something like that, but I might just be misremembering. But um, so the lights plunge on and everybody gets up and we have to go out of the exits that are in like the back of the theater towards the screen. And we walk through like this really weird like cement alley down these really weird staircases. And then they just spit us out on a Boylston Street. And we're just like, what the hell just happened? Um, 
and to this day i'm not really sure what happened wait so you never got to finish the film no i never got to finish the film but i almost kind of like it that way i mean to this day <laughs> that, that and that's not to just the lighthouse i fucking love the lighthouse okay so but you did this, eventually finish the film no i still haven't seen the actual ending of it oh that's fucking awesome yeah and i kind of want to keep it that way on purpose just because at this very cathartic you know swelling cacophonous moment like just light just comes on starts flashing and then the movie just disappears and we're like dropped back into reality <laughs> from like the highest of heights I mean, they didn't and, even give you a refund no no it, it was like too late in the movie because i believe there's only a couple scenes after that but oh my god we're yeah, we were just spin- yeah <laughs> yeah fuck you amc lows <laughs> amc just Common. comes after us <laughs> they know too much <laughs> they know too much <laughs> nah man they're they're in no position to spend any money on lawyers right now um but yeah so case in point i've never actually seen the ending of the layhouse because i kind of prefer this one of one type ending i've had where it was just such a surreal movie and such a surreal moment and then just boom okay back in reality it's all over all gone yeah you like, got the one in a million alternate ending exactly exactly <laughs> i got the robert eggers secret ending it was planned yeah it was planned robert eggers was like all right this one random theater in boston <laughs> um dude that's sick though i, I like that yeah so yeah I, I kind of want to keep it that way at least for a little while just because you know that movie is such a you know it just has such a unnerving um hallucinogenic you know just kind of you know it's 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 one of those kinds of movies and the it's just it was a very fitting experience and yeah. um you know just being plunged back into reality was crazy but speaking of being plunged back into reality i just got done about 10 minutes ago watching one of the movies that we're here to talk about today yeah you actually yeah right beforehand you, this is fresh off the press yeah <laughs> you're ready to I'm, go i i am fresh out of the oven um <laughs> hello everybody my name is jake what's up what's up jake i'm mitch hello mitchell and uh this is the fox den film club if you want to break it down for the audience a little bit sure uh if this is your first time listening to the fox den film club this is essentially a podcast where every week jake and i agree on a prompt and based on that, we each select a film to show each other based on that prompt. Um, so last week was a film so weird that it works. Uh, mm-hmm. This week is a film that reminds you of childhood. Hell um, yeah. Yeah, and maybe down the line we start doing some other things. But right now this is kind of what we're grooving in. Yeah, um, yeah. We're kind of thinking about doing an Oscars episode soon. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, you know. I, I, I try and keep pretty up to date on movies that are releasing and Mitchell, you've been watching shit like crazy. So a lot of Oscar <laughs> stuff lately, yeah. Yeah. So we're pretty well informed this time around. So we might have to go through and discuss our picks, discuss our our snubs, stuff like that. But yeah. yeah this week's prompt is show me a film that reminds me of childhood uh, reminds you of childhood. Mm-hmm. And this'll have to this'll be a fun one because you know, me and Mitch grew up together. Um so I'm sure it'll be very interesting to see our different takes on the situation. But Mitchell, do you want to dive into your pick for me? Yeah, I selected the film George Washington, um, which I actually watched this year for the first time. 
Hell yeah. uh, it came out in 2000. It's directed by David Gordon Green. Um, to my knowledge, I think the film had a very low budget. Um, it definitely feels like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was executed really well. I feel like with the budget they had, though. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it, it. Yeah, when I say that, I just kind of mean in terms of scope, and because mm-hmm. there are a few scenes where something you know that would be more expensive to shoot happens but they don't actually show it. They just kind of like cut to a later point in time and say like, yeah. Oh yeah, this happened. So it's like, you know, you can tell they're trying to cut corners a little bit, but that is not at all a bad thing. All right. Yeah. Let's get into some of the, uh, let's get into the description of the film. Um, the tagline on letterbox is kind of fucking crazy for this one. Um, down this twisted road, please watch over my soul and lift me up so gently so as to not touch the ground. That's the tagline. That's the tagline. Show me a fucking movie poster where you can fit that tagline on it. Uh, And I'll get into the description here. So set in the landscape of rural southern town, George Washington is a stunning portrait of how a group of young kids come to grips with a hard world of choices and consequences. During Mm. an innocent game in an abandoned amusement park, a member of the group dies. Narrated by one of the children, the film follows the kids as they struggle to balance their own ambitions and relationships against a tragic lie. That's a really Uh, good description of that movie. (laughs) Yeah, I I also think it was as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, we, we, we try not to get too deep into the plot because then we would just kind of be like, you know, speaking a movie to you, which is no fun. But Mm -hmm. that does a really good description of kind of breaking it down a little. But yeah, Mitch, you said you were wicked excited to talk about this one in particular. Yeah, I think it resonates with both my childhood in some ways. It's definitely not like me and my friends never went and killed anybody. But mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I can I can attest to this that I know um, of at least. But there were a lot of like elements of this film that remind me of my childhood from like having to lie to your family, or like when you do bad shit that you shouldn't be doing and from mm-hmm. when exploring abandoned places or just exploring places you shouldn't be. Like, I can't tell you how many times we went into just like looking back on it now, like just walking into people's yards all the time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, it's so crazy yeah, that just, just playing manhunt in the that. neighborhood and just, <laughs> Okay, the the whole play area is just, you know, the neighborhood. <laughs> the entire neighborhood was our, our playground. And so mm-hmm. you kind of get that vibe from George Washington, especially early on before it kind of shifts into this darker tones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I totally agree. It's it's kind of the first thing I I felt I connected to the film on was just, you know, the kids just kind of wandering about doing, you know, what feels to me and what probably feels to an adult viewer like just random shit but you know when you're a kid like what else are you gonna do you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. there's nothing else to do other than just kind of wander around and explore and do nothing and inevitably end up doing some fucking crazy shit on accident and ending up in places where you're not supposed to be i mean this one wasn't really off limits but you know what really brought to mind was just all the times we hung out at donut pond and just kind of like there's this pond in me and Mitchell's neighborhood and yeah, it kind of had like some woods surrounding it and we would just kind of follow those woods and kind of be in people's backyards, but not really. And, you know, just kind of, it was a gray area. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of, <laughs> you know, just sit there like throwing rocks in the water and, and building forts and stuff. Yeah, and building people would get hurt, and, but not yeah. severely. 
Um, yeah, no, you skin your knee a couple times. It's all part of growing up. <laughs> yeah, and the, I mean, again, you got this vibe where it's like every day in George Washington is different. So it's like one mm. day they're exploring like this abandoned location or they're like going in this, it looks like an abandoned auditorium. Other days they're going to like the public pool, which me and you would go to like a public pool. It wasn't public, but... A, yeah, Bearcroft. Like a, yeah, Bearcroft, like a community Yeah, shout pool. out Bearcroft. And just like vibe. That's just what they kind of do for the <laughs> yeah. for a portion of this film. And it's funny you mentioned that too, because like I noticed that like the shots when they are in the pool, like kids aren't really fucking doing anything. They're just kind of sitting there, just like moving their arms around the water. And it's like, you know, that's the kind of shit you do when you're a kid. You just, you know, everything's like, everything feels like it's so textural when you're younger. So, yeah. You know, just and time, kinda... time moves slower when you're younger. I mean, like, you oh, get... totally. Like I wrote down like summer crickets and sibling bonds. Like let's mm-hmm. kind of get that vibe from this. And there's oh, scenes yeah. like that. And there's like sparkler scenes that at one point that are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's funny you bring up the crickets because another big thing I noticed was just, you know, how nature oriented the photography of this movie is. Because, you know, the town they're growing up in, were it shot in another movie, would probably be very concrete um very structural in terms of like buildings and such and yeah you know even though it's a more rural town it would still have a very urban look to it but when you're kind of looking at it through childhood lens it just feels you know it focuses on leaves and the trees and the woods and the dirt and all those kind of things that you know you don't really have time for (laughs) when you're a fucking adult like yeah can't tell you the last time i just like went out in the woods and just fucking poked sticks and picked grass off the ground yeah the the other thing too is like you have um all, all of the characters there's like a big focus on maturity in this film mm-hmm. um it's like i don't know you don't want to get into it but there's like childhood relationships blooming between people and the women mature faster than men so they're like looking for the more mature people their age to kind of date mm-hmm. and things like that uh, yeah and they say like verbatim sexuality. like oh i'm looking for a man yeah <laughs> you know exactly. what i mean but like they're 12 and 13 years old and yeah i mean that's just kind of being a kid right like you're trying so hard to grow up so fast yeah yeah and i do feel like in my childhood there were elements where like i needed to be more mature just because of my older brother who was always getting up to trouble and things like that mm-hmm. um so there were a lot of times in my life where like i needed to be the one to step up and things like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that's something that, you know, the film, I think, balances really well is kind of going from these very lighthearted, innocent moments of just, you know, hanging out at the zoo and poking some poop with a stick. Yeah. And then <laughs> that'll be directly adjacent to, like, you know, some real shit going down that the kids are just, you know, not at all ready for. And, you know, that's kind of life, too, is, you know, you have those moments where, you're just being as carefree as can be. And then all of a sudden you have, you're forced to like overcome these wildly adult situations that you really can't even comprehend. Yeah. And even when shit is going down, they bring up just real things that we've probably all said. Like if my dad found out is what one of the characters says. Like, yeah. 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 No, it's like, you're not like, even though you're dealing with these very grown up, very, you know, the serious shit, 
you're still worried about like, oh, my dad's going to kill me. You know yeah, what I mean? Like their first thought is like, if my dad finds out, I'm fucked. Rather yeah, than no, like, their number one concern is, fuck, like, am I going to get grounded? Rather <laughs> than like, oh, God, like, what are the legal ramifications for this? There's no telling what this is going to do to the economy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that element and then the big one as well is just like guilt, um, which mm. we kind of talked about. But like, I don't know he kind of there's this moment where the character kind of is very guilty he's feeling very upset and then gets a chance to sort of redeem himself um and i don't know that element is really interesting in this film uh because he still doesn't feel whole after that he like keeps wanting to do more to make up for the mistake that was made yeah and what i think is so i almost want to say touching just because it's not touching at all but you know, he doesn't really understand that he's going through a phase of guilt. Because, I mean, guilt is such a fucking complicated emotion. You know, it's yeah. so layered. It's so hard to understand. It's so hard to grapple with. Like, you know, even as you know, I just turned 25 last week. And, like, you know, still shit like that is, you know, it's not easy. Um, and so, you know, when you're a kid and you have to deal with feelings like that and you don't even know what they are to begin with, it's just, it you know, what can you do? But yeah, I agree. You know, as sad and as tragic as some of the events in the film play out as, the film kind of keeps this really lighthearted tone, mm-hmm. which almost kind of surprised me. Yeah, it does. Like, there's not... It's, yeah, you wouldn't expect this film to kind of go where it goes. You, you don't see, like, that much of a depression. They kind of just continue their summer. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, and I mean, this is still something I'm processing because again, I finished watching this movie. The credits rolled like what twenty minutes ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just it totally. It doesn't feel like a movie that would tackle things like this. And you know, I kind of wonder if that's supposed to kind of be like a statement towards you know David Gordon Green's um, interpretation of childhood, where. it's definitely not the way I would look at things, but you know, I could totally see like him, his experience being like, yeah, I was a child and this terrible thing would happen, but you know, I just wasn't old enough. I wasn't mature enough to have this dark cloud following me around about it. Yeah. Like, you know, you just kind of move on. And if that is kind of what he's going for, then, you know, I think we could probably learn something from that. You know what I mean? Cause like, no, if, I think what you say makes a ton of sense. I think the the biggest theme is either maturity or guilt for this film. And the other thing too is like you have this contrast with the adult characters um, that they that they interact with. A lot of them like have one on ones, or they walk by the, them working on the train station, or even the uncle mm-hmm. is like chopping wood. Like they're not mature. The, all not those characters all. seem to be very like laid back. Um, even at the end of the film, they're all making jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then you got George Washington, who's like after this profound, horrible experience is all of a sudden just like a whole entire different person. Every character handles the guilt of this situation completely different, which is mm-hmm. another reason why I really love the film. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really it's, um, you know, it's it's I don't want to say it's an ensemble cast because, you know, it's not a huge cast. No, but, you know, it it definitely it has a lot of perspective there about what goes down in the movie. And um yeah, no, it's the what really fascinated me were those scenes where it's like, you know, a one on one between an adult and a kid. And you are absolutely right. Like the adults 
are the ones in those situations who are being the most childish, the, the mm-hmm. most childlike, um, the least mature. And, you know, that's definitely, you know, it's definitely something that as you get older, you kind of start to see and you kind of realize like, okay, you know, they might be the ones, you know, that pay a mortgage and, you know, pay bills and know what 0% APR means. But <laughs> like, you know, they know what a PPO versus an HMO is when it comes to insurance. But even with that, it's like, you know, sometimes they're the more childish ones, even though on the outside, you wouldn't think so. Cause you know, when you're a kid, it's what it's like when you're a kid, you know, you see someone and like, Oh, like they own a house. Like they have a job. They get to wear a suit and they have these big floppy shoes. Like, you know, you think that's what adulthood is and you think that's what maturity is. But I think maturity is this whole other thing that, you know, when you look at characters like the adults in George Washington, it kind of seems like it's a more elusive thing that, yeah, maybe we get brief glimpses of it when there are those moments where we have to grow up fast, but then it kind of quickly just disappears back into thin air yeah i think part of that comes down to like the setting being in a really like small southern town that's like probably hard to climb out of yeah Um, and so like you kind of grow up there and we grow up with all your friends and then now you're working with all of your friends and it's Mm -hmm. like hard to escape that that uh like childhood maturity level uh and so, like, I don't know, even one of the quotes from the film is just like, when I look at my friends, I know there is greatness. And so they're kind of like leaning to this point that, like, you're not going to be a hero. You're not going to escape this town. Like, this is where you're at, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that was something you mentioned in your letterbox review, too, that I saw just briefly when I went to uh, log this film real quick before this conversation <laughs> was that, you know, a big part of it is kind of what it means to be a hero yeah and like you know i think that just that question of what it means to be a hero is kind of a good way to just look at somebody's view of you know childhood and of maturity and all that stuff because you know you're a kid and you're like oh who's your hero and then george washington says like oh like one of them was the president of the united states (laughs) yeah (laughs) and now you know as an adult it's like dude fuck the president of the united states i hate that guy you know what i mean like all of them so it's like yeah no it's it's an encapsulation of you know a little bit of naiveness but of also hope i guess yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like yeah, that. Like I w- like I just I I would love if I could just wake up in the morning and you know have faith in the president and our leaders are going to do a good job. But it's just you know, no matter who's elected, I just I don't think that's ever a thing that no, I'll ever no. be able to really believe. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think I think before we transition into the next film, I want to say like one other quote that. I don't think it would spoil anything, but it's just like so fucking powerful in this film. Hit me um, with it. But yeah, George Washington visits uh, his dad and he says, uh, his mm. dad is in prison and he just says, uh, remember when you said it, remember when you said what happened was an accident and I didn't believe you? Now I do. And it's like mm-hmm. fucking hard because like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. He just like hits that point where he's like, I don't know, he, he gets that level of understanding for his father, even yeah. if his father was lying, who knows? 
Yeah, and I think, yeah, regardless of that, I think that moment in particular is kind of where George Washington grows up. Like, I think that moment is the catalytic pivot point from him being a kid to him being an adult. Because yeah. even in that scene, you know, you're looking down at the dad who's just not even looking at George and he's not saying anything. And he's just, he's kind of the one just curled up in a ball being a kid in that situation. And yeah. I mean, Oh, you know, point. given his circumstances, you can't entirely blame him. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and then we see the reverse shot of George and it's this low angle looking up at him and he's got, you know, the light from the window kind of coming in from behind him and he's kind of got a little bit of a glow going on. And it's like, yeah, no, it's just kind of when that whole movie shifts from like, all right, we've been looking at these kids and spending time with these kids and exploring life alongside these kids. But are they the kids really? Like that yeah, movie, that exactly. moment in particular really kind of made the light bulb go off. And I'm really glad you brought that one up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going back as well, before we move on, like both films we're talking about today really have like a lot of these really warm tones, despite George Washington having a very like dark shift. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't, I think that's pretty cool. I don't know if that's something, you know, in my own filmmaking, I would ever think to do or you know, even be capable of doing is just, you know, kind of trying to tackle these mature themes with a little bit of levity, you know, a little bit of warmth, a little mm -hmm. bit of like fond remembrance. But, you know, that's what childhood is. Yeah. You, know, you look back upon it with the, like those rose tinted glasses and yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, Jake, are you ready to get into your film? Oh yeah. Speaking of golden, you know what, you know what color golden is the color of? Honey. Honey. Well, and you know who makes bees? Bees. Where do they make it? In a beehive. This podcast is sponsored by Honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, everybody listening to that probably thought it was a transition into an ad, but it was just me trying to do a long-winded transition. Oh, my God, that would have been the best ad transition ever. Oh, dude, if we had, like, an ad sponsorship for, like, you know, like, the honey that comes in, like, a, a little bottle that's shaped like a bear? Yeah. Dude, imagine we got a sponsorship from them. <laughs> oh, that would be the Yeah, day. so the bees, honey, beehive, yada, yada, yada. The film I'm talking about is The Spirit of the Beehive. Um, and it is not a super-duper well-known film, at least comparatively. Um, it's from 1973, directed by Victor Erice. Um, it's a Spanish film. Um and it doesn't have a tagline or anything on Letterboxd, so I'll just I'll hit I know, you. With I was the bummed about that. Yeah. Well, it, hey, if you had to give it a tagline, what would you choose? Fuck, man, I don't know. I have to I'll have to think about it. <laughs> bees sting, but you know what hurts worse than a bee's sting? The Spanish Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the description is in the aftermath of the Spanish Civil War, Anna. Uh, a sensitive seven-year-old girl in a rural Spanish hamlet is traumatized after a traveling projectionist screens a print of James Whale's 1931 Frankenstein for the village. The youngster is profoundly disturbed by the scenes in which the monster murders the little girl and is later killed himself by the villagers. She questions her sister about the profundities, profundities of life yeah. and death and believes her older sibling when she tells her that the monster is not dead but exists as a spirit inhabiting a nearby barn when a loyalist soldier a fugitive from franco's victorious army hides out in the barn and crosses from reality into a fantasy world of her own 
how how that hit you <laughs> for a that description yeah i think i think they could leave out the like loyal soldier part maybe like i don't yeah, think that's important to the plot it's, it's a little bit of a spoiler but yeah i mean both of these movies it's kind of hard to spoil because they're not super plot focused no which you know i think is definitely on purpose and i think it's very fitting because you know when you're a kid it's not like you know you're not super focused on the structure of your life you're kind of just existing yeah and you know everything around you is the way it is and will continue to be that way yeah you have Um, no control at all exactly you have no control and i think you just kind of default to like okay this is the way things are like you know let's get up and go about our shit um so yeah spirit of the beehive i found this movie uh one night i was browsing on the criterion channel and I saw that Guillermo del Toro did like his top 10 from the Criterion channel, um, which are always really cool lists when directors do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was in his top 10. And I don't know if you've seen any GDT films, but it absolutely makes sense. Like, Yeah, I've heard Pan's Labyrinth is heavily inspired by this film. Oh, yeah. Have, have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? I still have not, unfortunately. Oh, man. A Labyrintho del Fauna, <laughs> I think. Or del Fauno, I believe. Uh, oh, God. It fucking... It's so Spirit of the Beehive, man. It's like if Spirit of the Beehive and, you know, like <laughs> Charlie and the Chocolate Factory had a a real fucked up Lovecraftian child. Oh, um, hell yeah. 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 No, Pan's Labyrinth is really cool. But yeah, it's very Guillermo del Toro. Not so much Shape of Water um, directly, but definitely, you know, spiritually. Spirit. Spirit of the Beehive. Haha. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Anyway. Um, I dig it. Yeah. So that's how I found out about the movie. And then I believe I, I you know, half the audience is going to hate me for saying this, but I watched it on my phone the first time. Dude, um, no shame in the phone game. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Man. Listen, coming from a filmmaker. All right, you know what? Can I go on a little tangent real quick? Dude, I don't care. Go for it. Hell yeah. Okay, Get I'm going to go on a quick tangent. I think there is validity in watching movies on your phone. I think so many directors kind of talk about how important the theatrical experience is, and they're right. They're totally right. I completely agree. But part of the reason that the theatrical experience is so important is because of how intimate you can get with the film. Mm -hmm. And you know how else you can get intimate on a film with a device that, you know, you are literally attached to and always have in front of your face and can lay down in your room and have it fucking three inches from your eyeballs, (laughs) you know, filling up your entire field of view and it's this thing you're totally familiar with. So you're not even thinking about like the weight of it or the shape of it. It's just, it's, it doesn't exist. It's just when you're looking at a f- movie on your phone, the phone's not really there. It's just you and the movie. So, I mean, you know, it'd be one thing if you were watching it, you know, like on a fucking train where like there's all this other noise and shit yeah, going on in the yeah. background. But like, you know, I was just, I was laying in bed and the room was completely dark and I was just watching on my phone and, my roommates were asleep and I had my fucking earbuds in like, I don't know. It was a very intimate showing. And, you know, of course it's not as good as a theatrical experience would it be, but you know, I think there's something to be said for watching movies on your phone. Yeah. I've seen a few films on my phone. I won't lie. Yeah. I, I dig it as well. I think those are all yeah. really good reasons. I mean, yeah, you also, 
I don't know, when it's right in your face, you get to see a lot of detail as well. Even yeah, though exactly. it's only on a small screen, you still see like a ton of detail. <laughs> exactly. Like it's not like we're watching them on flip phones. Like we're watching them on like these tiny supercomputers that, you know, have a fucking triple digit refresh rate. And I mean, the new iPhones for how many years now have been OLED and yeah, you know, no, I mean, like, also your eyeballs can scan every corner of the screen way faster than a big screen. Mm, like yeah, can, yeah, because you don't have to actually like look around up and down. And, yeah. you know, that can be an important thing. But yeah, no, I think there's definitely there's something to be said for it. I don't think it's, you know, a mortal sin as many make it out to be. You just have but the anyway. boys over and set your phone up. <laughs> <laughs> like duct tape your phone to the wall, have everybody sit down on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> My TV's mounted. <laughs> hey, baby, want to come over and watch a uh, watch a film on my on my my mounted screen? My mounted my, screen. my mounted 5K OLED screen, which you wouldn't be lying. Um, oh man, yeah. <laughs> but so, Spear of the Beehive. Um, now, when I say this film reminds me of childhood, it's definitely not in the specifics of the film of course you know i have no connection to the spanish civil war or even to 1970s spain when it was made um and i'm certainly not from a hamlet uh which i believe is a which must be you know the type of village that they live in yeah um you know i grew up in fucking you know a small city in massachusetts <laughs> um so it's it's just kind of the feelings and the emotions and just kind of the i've been trying to figure out a good adjective for it ever since we picked this uh prompt but the best one i can think of is just the feeling of this movie it feels like childhood does just you know from how everything has this mystical quality to it mm -hmm. um like you know when they see frankenstein you know they're absolutely mesmerized and, you know, be it because movies were a hard thing to come by in those days, you know, that's just kind of how you experience things as a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think the two things that come to mind with this film are imagination and isolation. Those are like the two mm. themes I have in mind, just because the village is kind of like outskirts, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're kind of in the, like this, like... Oh, man, I can't fucking think of words today. <laughs> but yeah, rural. No, yeah. yeah, rural, this kind of like self-sufficient, I think is what I was thinking of saying. Um, so, you know, your entire world is this absolutely minuscule part of it. So, you know, yeah, things just naturally are going to have that kind of like... The, imagination, is, it's just a breeding ground for imagination when you have very little around you and it's all kind of the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot of what I like about this film is it is post-war and it's like when you're a kid and you're dealing with really shitty situations, you need to find ways to cope with it. And that's why the, uh, what's her name? Isabel kind of fucks with her sister a little bit and yeah. is like make, makes up this like kind of like a game just saying like, this little folktale or like little story about someone living behind their house. Yeah. Um, and you know, like, yeah, both like the actual act of doing that as well as, you know, just like, that's what you do when you're a kid. You just kind of 
say shit. Yeah, you just <laughs> you make know what things I mean? up that aren't you just, true. At you all. just fucking make <laughs> shit up. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, I think about all the fucking sleepovers we had when we were kids, where like, you know, we'd get sent to bed at like nine or ten or whatever, and we'd stay up till fucking three in the morning, just like on picto chat on our DSs yeah. and you know, just sitting there with the lights off, just fucking talking about shit. And, you know, the, the scenes in particular of Anna and Isabel, like, laying in their beds. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, just kind of leaning across, talking to each other. And it's like they're – that conversation to them is, you know, everything. It's the entire world to them. Yeah, that I have actually have that in my notes as well. Like, the same pretty much comparison to our childhood, which is, like, yeah. just whispering and just, like, got to be quiet. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's this, yeah, it's, there's like a little bit of fear there, but also like the excitement of like, ooh, we're doing something we're not supposed to, you know what I mean? Like, you know, just everything's got this, you know, good and bad. It's, it's got this magic to it. I mean, everybody's talked about the magic of childhood before, but that's really what it is. Everything just kind of has this magical, otherworldly feel to it. And then, you know, especially when you juxtapose it, like, they're having that conversation and then over the next room, like their dad's just, you know, working, you know what I mean? (laughs) Just keeping the bees keeping. Yeah. He's just doing his bee shit and probably paying the bills and doing this very mundane monotonous shit. Whereas the next room over, it's like, you know, it's this really like, you know, no pun intended, like spiritual conversation they're having. Yeah. I think, I don't know. One thing, the film is kind of slow in some ways, which is, I think it helps the film, but also doesn't help the film. It depends on your taste in movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's definitely, it's not, it's not a fucking infinity war (laughs) of pacing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a slow burn, which also George Washington kind of is too. Um, Yeah. But you do get some interesting, like outside of the two main characters, Anna and Isabel, you've got, some interesting things happening with the father and the mother as well. Um, Yeah. The father's, you know, he's some kind of poet or writer and, you know, obviously he kind of uses it as like an excuse in a way. Like it's kind of like, we don't know this for sure, but he feels like he kind of just writes to escape and yeah. And then the mother, she's just, you know, writing to, I forget exactly who, but you know, someone that I think it's an anonymous ex lover. Yeah, an ex-lover. And it, yeah, they, they're both so isolated from each other, you know, mm-hmm. to go back to the isolation that you mentioned. And, you know, it's interesting that both these movies are so isolated and kind of like the portal that we see in both these movies is the train tracks. Yeah. Oh, it is, right? Yeah. Because, you know, they just kind of represent like, you know, whether it's just George Washington running down the train tracks or... um I forget his name, but that other kid in George Washington who tries to hop a train. Um, yeah. And then you have Anna and Isabel, like, uh, you know, just kind of laying on the tracks, like listening to them um, when you hear if the train's coming because it's kind of this visitor from another dimension. It's like for both of them, just kind of anything out of their immediate world is just so fucking mystical. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think trains just represent. I don't know, it's a good symbol for childhood just because it's like choice um, and like paths, I guess. I mean, yeah. even with films like Stand By Me, like another childhood film with mm-hmm. a lot of train in it, 
or like train tracks yeah or fucking polar express <laughs> yeah <laughs> man <laughs> why do they gotta put so many trains in these kids movies and you got like i don't, I don't know man they're just a good senior photos it's always on a fucking train track <laughs> Hey, they're just a good cinematic and photographic tool, I guess. But yeah, no, they work. They just make so much sense. And, you know, particularly pertaining to childhood, you can't just like go get on a train. No. Like you can't do that. But you're so envious of everybody who, you know, can. And, you know, you see people on a train and it's like, holy shit, like, what are they up to? What are they doing? Where are they going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. And there's also just fun to explore. You go to that like exploration and imagination side where I don't mm. know, you're, you're a kid and you just want to walk down the train tracks. You know it's dangerous. Like you're yeah. kind of doing something rebellious. Um, yeah, th- there's that little hint of like almost defiance, but mm-hmm. n- not even in like a in a spiteful way. It's just kind of like, you know, y- you feel the need to grow up so quick. Yeah. Yeah, for real, man. Yeah. So again, like, I I really have no personal connections to this film in terms of the actual physical circumstances of it. But again, it's just, for me, it just gets the feeling of childhood off so well. Um, It just, so many of the memories I have of being a kid um, and, you know, especially, you know, the things that didn't happen all the time. So, you know, maybe not so much like going to school, but it's like, you know, like the one time I visited my grandfather at this, faraway campground when he was camping or like you know mm-hmm. going to see like the fireworks on fourth of july and it's big event and you know just things like that they just they f- have this mystical magical otherworldly quality to them and i feel like spirit of the beehive um especially with the help of its cinematography which is something we have to talk about because yeah. that movie is shot so fucking well <laughs> it really is especially when they're zooming in on the like the beehive itself as well mm-hmm. and then yeah, that no, one shot where they're running towards that house is so fucking gorgeous oh when like isabel and anna are running towards the barn yeah for the first time i think yeah yeah and it's just this really long take yeah no like the cinematography is gorgeous the execution is on point and just the shot choice feels so modern it you know funnily enough it almost kind of reminds me of greg Fraser's cinematography a little bit Mm-hmm. And he's the guy who shot the new Dune, followed by Batman, which I just saw um, a nice. couple nights ago. I'm so jealous. Soon. Oh, oh man, we'll we'll have to talk about the Batman, but yeah, it, it's really good, and it's got insane cinematography. It's kind of like you know, it reminds me of like you ever see animated Tarzan when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know how it has that Phil Collins soundtrack that has no right to go as hard as it does <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's like that it's like you know like just i obviously it's a batman movie and it's going to be very visual and it's inspired by comics which you know are a visual medium so you know the visuals have to be there but it's just like god damn greg fraser like you did not like where is this shit coming from <laughs> it, it's, it's like just every shot in it it's just like yo watch this and then he just drops like the coolest shit you've ever fucking seen yeah, and all it is is just like a mundane like reverse shot in a fucking conversation especially the ending you know ending of spear of the beehive yeah okay sorry i i transitioned to batman mentally oh, okay let yeah. me reel myself back into spirit of the beehive um yeah no that 
yeah, just it, it feels so modern. And I think with this kind of otherworldly feeling that this movie has is that it just it feels so personal too. Like, you know, if I was to try and sell someone on this movie and I was like, oh yeah, it's this really unknown like film from the 70s that was made in Spain. And like, you know, it's kind <laughs> of, it, the sell of it wouldn't be super personal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, but it, yet it feels like this film, it feels like this film just kind of knows you almost in a way. Like it was yeah, just, it, it feels like it was there. It feels like it was in your childhood and it knows that feeling. And it's like, you know, across these barriers of, not to sound all interstellar, but across these barriers of time and space. Um, yeah, it just, it, 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 I really connected with it on a level that I didn't expect to. And for me, I think that's just kind of why it really blew me away. And that's why I was really stoked for you to watch it. Yeah, I really loved it. To my I'm knowledge, glad. the director, this was like his first fictional like film and he had only done like a short film and a documentary before this. No um, shit, really? To my knowledge, don't quote me on this. I thought I read that. <laughs> you know, it sounds years. a little bit familiar. I might have read that too. Yeah. And I mean, you know, while we're speaking about the directors, David Gordon Green, uh, who directed George Washington, are you uh, familiar with any of his other movies? Uh, like not off the top of my head. I'd have to look and see uh, okay. what he's doing. So, so after I finished George Washington, you know, a couple fucking minutes ago, um, <laughs> I went on Letterboxd to log it. And I was like, oh, yeah, David Gordon Green, because I saw his name in the credits. I was like, you know, that sounds pretty familiar. Like, I should go see what else he's done, because I've probably seen a couple of his other movies. And his filmography is just like so fucking out of left field. It's <laughs> all over the George. place. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at it now. He did the new Halloween Kills. <laughs> um, he did that. He did the Stronger movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and he's like the Boston Marathon bombing victim. Um, oh, he did that. Uh, let me let me pull it back up because uh, he did something else I saw. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Uh, let's uh, see. Yeah, he did, think... he did Pineapple Express. Really? Where's that? I'm looking. I believe it. That's funny. Yeah, Pineapple Express. A um, couple other movies I haven't heard of. This, this one you've seen, Flower? He directed that one. Wait, wait really? Oh, wait, what am I doing? No, he must have pro he produced that one. Oh, okay, I was uh... going to say, he didn't direct Flower. <laughs> <laughs> Although, Flower, have you seen Flower? No, I haven't. Oh, Flowers a really good one with a uh, Zoe Deutsch in it. Um that was I believe that was kind of like a breakout role for her and it's just uh, it's it's one of those movies that's just like carried so hard by this one character in particular, by this one actor or actress in particular. Um so yeah, no, if you're a fan of Zoe Deutsch like I am, definitely definitely check out Flower cuz no, you watch it and you're like, okay, so she's going to be the next Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> like you just watch, you're like, okay, so, you know, there's a fucking star was born. But yeah, no, it was super, it was super funny to be like, oh yeah, what else has this guy done? Oh, Pineapple Express Interesting. and the Halloween reboot, and, <laughs> which, you know, is pretty cool. I think like, you know, were I ever to become a successful filmmaker, I hope I don't just make like. Moody oh, the same fucking, type of movie every time yeah i mean yeah. i probably inevitably will but i hope i just don't end up making like moody indie dramas my whole fucking life 
Yeah, man. Well, but yeah, so what do you think? Do you think these work as double feature? I was just about to fucking ask you that, <laughs> man. God damn, we're getting good at this podcast shit. We are. We got a good flow down, man. I, yeah, I think these absolutely work as a double feature. Um, you know, definitely like a childhood-themed double feature. I feel like tonally, you could probably pair these two better separately. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. like for George Washington... Um, I don't know if anything particularly, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Florida project for George Washington. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, you could do it that. kind of deals with a lot more of like the darker aspects of childhood more so than spirit of the beehive does. Yeah. What would you but, pair a spirit of the beehive instead? Uh, I mean, the obvious choice is pan's labyrinth. Cause I mean, oh, you know, true. It's, a, yeah. it's a direct influence. Um, pan's labyrinth has plenty of references if not just shit lifted straight out of uh, Spirit of the Beehive into Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, you know, definitely Guillermo del Toro movie. Um, And, you know, I'm trying to think if there's any others off the top of my head. But the two of these together, yeah, no, they would absolutely work well. Um, They're both... Actually, you know what? Maybe for Spirit of the Beehive, you know what I would do? Yeah. You ever seen The Tree of Life? No, but it is on my watch list. Oh, man. Mitchell. I've heard good things. Bro, you got to watch fucking Tree of Life. Yeah, maybe I'll blind by it. Like, no, dude. Oh, man. I would see. So it was my birthday last week, and Mitchell kindly bought me a Criterion for my birthday. Um, He got me Afterlife, which I have not yet watched, but I'm very, very excited to pop it in probably sometime this weekend. Yeah, you'll like Um, it. It's great. Yeah, but I wish it was like your birthday or some shit coming up soon because I would absolutely buy you Tree of Life. Like knowing your tastes and especially like your favorites on Letterboxd, like it's going to be your next favorite movie. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, maybe maybe one day we do an episode just Criterion Blind Buys or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, that would be rad. Like we both blind buy a Criterion movie that just for whatever reason seems cool and then we just talk about our thoughts. Yeah, or for the opposite person, like one that we've seen already, like I've seen, but you haven't type two. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, let's absolutely do that. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, that'd um, be fun. Yeah, no, I think these absolutely work as a double feature. How do you feel? Yeah, I agree. I think these can work for as a double feature. I also like the ideas that we came up with for like pairing different films. Um, Hmm. But they do both deal with like, they both are in a rural landscape and like open I think and yeah. they're both like isolated and they both have to deal with like innocence uh in two different ways you kind of have in Spirit of the Beehive she's innocent because she's kind of like leaning into her imagination and then in uh George Washington there's just kids are innocent and then shit just hits them hard and they they can't be innocent anymore yeah they um, don't really have the room to be as imaginative as yeah Anna and Isabel are, you know, they don't really, it's, yeah, no, they just have to grow up so quick. Whereas mm-hmm. Spear of the Beehive, I mean, the kids are a lot younger too. So it's like, you know, you, you think that probably inevitably at some point in Anna and Isabel's lives that they'll run into situations, maybe not similar to what happens in George Washington, but situations where, you know, they got a fucking shit just hits the fan out of nowhere. And boom, yeah. next thing you know, you're, mature or not like ready or not here you go you're a fucking grown-up now um, and i think they are like i don't know they are close to being mature because i think that what they're doing is kind of like projecting or kind of 
using their imaginations to avoid their cruel world that's happening right now like they're under regime yeah it's like the war has ended and they've probably seen so much fucked up shit Mm -hmm. it's like they probably uh, knew so many people who just aren't around anymore and yeah you know the adults are like oh yeah you know they went off to fight in the war war and now they're you know living in madrid or barcelona but in reality they fucking died and it's like you know you think like the kids know it's like they if not consciously then subconsciously it's like they kind of know yeah and you know even as young as they are um they're probably they're at that age where it's like you know you know in the back of your mind and depending on your circumstances you know you have the choice or depending on your circumstances you either have the luxury of you know just kind of shutting it out and continuing to be a kid or if you're not so lucky you know you kind of you can't play times over you know what i mean yeah man so i totally i never thought about that but you're right i think those girls absolutely know and are kind of just playing because they don't want to know yeah they're they're trying to avoid the darkness around them i think you know? yeah and not even because like they completely comprehend it but just because they know like oh man shit's not all <laughs> shit's not all milk and honey no oh yeah milk and honey <laughs> you see what i did there i do indeed man <laughs> yeah i dude i am happy with how we've talked about both of these films uh spirit of the beehive is definitely more complex so i was a little nervous to talk about it mm-hmm. but- yeah no i remember you mentioning like that you kind of wanted me to lead the charge on that one but you know i hope i i hope i kind of got across like why i i vibe with that so hard mm-hmm. no you definitely did hell yeah so you know, Mitchell. episode six, baby. Episode six. You want to tell them about the prompt we picked out? Cool. Yeah. Uh, so Jake and I definitely on initial conception of this podcast, like we wanted to go for some really wacky themes and things like that. So I think like now that we've got our footing, we can start slowly getting more experimental or doing different things. Um, yeah. A little more avant-garde. I mean, you know, like a film that reminds you of childhood, you know, even though traumatized isn't the happiest thing in the world it's like you know it's like these are i don't want to say surface level but they're not absolutely outrageous themes mm-hmm. yeah uh so we decided for our next theme to go with something a little more funny i guess like mimi but also mm-hmm. i think it'll, we can each get some really cool films for this but we're oh, choosing yeah. uh, a film that feels like mcdonald's sprite <laughs> <laughs> i am so fucking excited yeah i oh. i love it i think it'll be cool i'm already I thinking d- about the poster it's gonna be green oh hell yeah hell yeah green, green and yellow green, right green and yellow for the lime yep. yeah. <laughs> so i i know i'm still i gotta think about my pick um yeah me too i mean what immediately came to mind was climax oh yeah yeah <laughs> but I, I know you've seen it and i've seen it and i'd rather i'd definitely rather pick a movie you haven't seen yeah, I'm, th- I'm I'm on the fence on like going for something very fast paced or going for something that just punches you, just like yeah, like yeah, punch no. your glove, like oh <laughs> man, oh <laughs> you know that is kind of McDonald's sprite ish. It is, yeah. <laughs> oh man, you know, yeah, no, I'm definitely gonna have to ruminate about this because I could go a lot of directions with it. Um, cool. Yeah, if you, oh, you know the audience. I, oh, what's up? As I said that, I think I I might have just picked out my idea, but we'll have to talk about that later. Yeah, awesome. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening, and mm-hmm. uh, if you have 
any suggestions for what you would have chosen for a film that reminds you of childhood, feel free to tweet at it, tweet it at us at Foxton Film Club. Mm-hmm. Um, Follow us on Instagram and all that nonsense. Um, yeah. I do want to shout out a couple people who replied to our story the other day. Um, if I can figure out what fucking b- buttons to press on Instagram, that'll show us this. <laughs> um, man, there was a thing where I could... Oh, I know how to do this. Um, yes, yeah, so our prompt was... What the fuck was our prompt? A film so weird it works. <laughs> oh, yeah, so for a film that that's so week. weird... Yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm getting all fucked up. Um, yeah, no, it looks like Alex Carter the Fourth, who I believe you know, right? Yeah, that's a friend I went to college with. Hell yeah, shout out Alex. Um, he said Detention from 2011. Um, I'm not at all familiar with that, actually. I haven't seen it either, but the fucking poster looks hardcore. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, if you like look it up, it's like, what the fuck? Hell yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, my boy Donnie. Uh, from my college said Swiss Army Man. Um, have you seen Swiss Army Man? Yeah, I think that's a great, that would have been a great one to talk about. Oh, yeah, because it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it commits to the fucking bit, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, it's, you know, it's a very creative film. Exactly, exactly. And it just, <laughs> it's so good. Also, shout out to Daniels, the guys who directed it. Um, they're two guys named Daniel and they go by Daniels. Uh, I love it. Their new movie's coming out soon called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, okay. That's uh, the new A24 movie, right? Yeah, it's coming with out to A24. Yeah, 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 with the googly eyes. I'm wicked fucking excited to see it. Me too. Um, apparently, it came about because, for whatever fucking reason, uh, Disney reached out to them to direct Loki. Um, like the Loki, like the Marvel superhero yeah. slash trickster god. Which I mean, I guess makes sense because the like, movie you know would... who would be good for this? Those guys that made Swiss Army. Man. Yeah, and like, what do you really think they're gonna fucking say yes? But um, you yeah, know, it's it, it, I guess it would be one of the more wackier Marvel movies to come out. So I see why they thought of them, but yeah, they turned it down. But they're still like, you know what? Nah, like we still want to fuck with the idea of like a multiverse. Hence, everywhere or excuse me, everything, everywhere, all at once. Man, these then, titles. Mm-hmm. Never rarely, <laughs> sometimes always. Everywhere. Never rarely, sometimes always. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, what, what was Combine it? Me them. and you and everyone we know. <laughs> it's like fucking Christ. What happened to like the tail? The tail. <laughs> <laughs> um, Caitlin, uh, she said the hourglass sanatorium. Um, I love to see that. Yeah, if you follow us on Instagram, you saw me tweet out or not tweet out, put the poster on my story because um, you know those fucking poles my boys out in poland they sure know how to make a fucking movie poster um my buddy cam whose outro music you'll hear shortly uh said the big lebowski um you know That's again an, yeah no love some coen brothers another movie that really you know commits to the bit and doesn't yeah. try to you know adhere to anything other than what it's trying to do um and then sophie shout out sophie again she said sorry to bother you which i don't understand you're not a bother at all a bother at all ha, 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 ha. um have you seen sorry to bother you i was going to see it um and then things just fell out so i didn't get to but dude still on my list shit's yeah. fucked <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> I'm not even going to say anything about it. I've heard it. it gets weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fucking understatement. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so thank you everybody again for watching, for listening. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, shout pre- out to our Belgian listener who lives in yeah, Brussels. Our, our Belgian boy, still still unaware of who you are, but hey, if you're still listening to this, we appreciate you. Please um, tweet at us. Yeah, let us know, man. We want to say hey. Um, and also, how the fuck you found out about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. And um, then we've also got some Indian brothers and people in India listening to us. Hell Yeah. Um, shout out to you guys. You said we had two people who went and downloaded all our episodes, right? I think they downloaded most of them. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't we know appreci- how they found us, but yeah, yeah. no, we'll have we'll definitely definitely have to be talking about some Indian movies at some point because I just blind bought um the Apu trilogy. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, no, three fucking classics on there that um they're a big influence on a lot of my favorite directors, so I'm very excited to dive into those. I just bought the three colors box set as well. Oh no shit. I have that too. Yeah, I just picked that up because have have you while seen I was any visiting of them yet? Katie's family? Somebody gave me a gift card and I was like, Oh, thank you. Oh, uh, that's I haven't seen any rad. of them. Hell yeah. yeah. I've only seen blue so far. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well you know you know how we much on do? your shelf have you not seen? Um very not, little not including like box sets you know not like not including the 36 film bergman box set yeah exactly um i've, I've seen almost everything i've the only things i haven't seen are red and white from okay. uh the three colors trilogy i haven't seen um rat catcher yet okay i haven't seen funeral parade of roses yet and then mm-hmm. i still have to watch the apu trilogy so and afterlife and Afterlife, yeah, no, I still see the thing with that is because it's A, it's gonna go at the very beginning of my shelves. Ah, and you sort all yours of my shelves are like sections. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to take one out of a shelf, take one out of another shelf, put the first one in. Yeah, take one out of a third <laughs> shelf, put the second one in, take one out of a fourth shelf, put the third one. I'm gonna have to do that. So I just I haven't gotten around to do that yet, but. So I figured I'll probably I'll probably watch it first, then put it away. Yeah. <laughs> also, shout out to Mitchell again for uh, buying me a Blu-ray copy of Mommy. Oh, I didn't think you'd had it so soon. <laughs> Man, I I watched Mommy and immediately gave it five stars on Letterbox and immediately brought the Blu-ray. It. I yeah. don't even think the credits were done yet. <laughs> yeah. So when I got it in the mail, I thought like Amazon had fucked up and just like sent me a copy again for some reason i was like oh that's weird but turns out it was just a kind gesture yeah i was like oh i want to send a little surprise too and then i was yeah. like fuck that's <laughs> the last well, time i, I do that <laughs> <laughs> well i appreciate it man and i'm going to be donating it to cinephile cool um nice because yeah i believe they only have donate with a little note like shout out fox and film club on your instagram <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll do that. They they do have a really cool Insta, and you know they're uh, they're really they're really nice to all their uh, all their patrons. So yeah, maybe I do. <laughs> hey, Cinephile, if you want to sponsor us, let me know. Oh shit, I would do a, a huge ad read for them. Oh, do yeah, no, like, and I wouldn't even like take any money from them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'd do a volunteer sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, no, they're great. But anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, Cue that sexy outro music by Cam. Oh, God bless you, Cam.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.